and welcome to episode number 79 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, here we are. It's already June 2018. June. Man, half the year gone. Flown. Just like that. It'll be WrestleMania before you know it. It's true. It'll be SummerSlam before we know it for sure. What do you have for us from the news desk this week? Alright, so we're going to start off on a really, really low note. And we're going to work our way up because I have a feeling this is going to be one of the best shows we've ever done. I really do. I believe a random it. episode of Raw, which we didn't even announce on our last podcast. I believe so. so. I believe so. Because we have a lot to say in this episode. Mm-hmm. Chuck Williams, better known as Rockin' Rebel. I was friends with him on Facebook. I have uh, known him from afar. Did not speak with the man personally. Did not know the man personally. Uh, he had had a stint as a wrestler for uh, WCW and ECW. Apparently, from what it has come out, police are saying that he was the one with the gun, so it looks like he murdered his wife and then killed himself. It really is almost like the Benoit stuff all over again. He was inducted into the Mid-Pen Wrestling Alliance Hall of Fame in 2015, trained by Hall of Famers Rock and Roll Express, and made his pro wrestling debut back in 88. Um, ABC Philadelphia says uh, they spoke to a neighbor who says that the family was quiet, kept to themselves. The neighbor noted the couple rarely went outside and that police had been called to the home, though, several times before. Uh-oh. And she said she often saw kids playing in the backyard. Well, that's terrible. He did have a, a son and a daughter. Uh, if I'm, I could be wrong about that, but I don't. I do know at least of two kids. ABC Philadelphia spoke to neighbor Stephanie Seepel. And she said, there were always problems over there, quote, the police were there a lot. Yeah, another wrestling tragedy in a world filled with many of them. The list goes on and on. It rocked me pretty hard yesterday when I woke up to the news of it. Someone like uh, Chuck Williams probably, you know, wrestled at a time in the business when uh, chair shots to the head were common, when concussions weren't... We didn't know all the facts about, you know, what concussions were doing long-term to people, you know. Uh, you know, I'm not saying that wrestling has totally cleaned up its act, because, I mean, you can look at some guys and say there's probably something going on there, but it's gotten a lot better. It's gotten a lot more self-aware of the reality that some of these guys go through. And sadly, Chuck Williams was a guy that wrestled in an era that was before that. You know, the damage was already done. Whatever damage was there... And I don't want to speculate as to, you know, any kind of cause for what happened, but he wrestled at a time when safety was not a priority. Uh, Wrestled at a time when, you know, you were doing insane spots to get over and not realizing the damage that you're causing yourself or your opponent. Not just that, but, you know, all the drugs and life on the road and the the terrible things that pro wrestlers went through back in the... uh, I I don't even want to say older times, but just even up until recently where... Now, indie wrestling, you know, they pay for their hotel rooms, they pay for their rental cars. It's not grungy, it's not sleeping in your car, it's not it's not the lifestyle it used to be. And, uh, sadly, that's the era that he came up in. And so, yeah. there was a lot of probably damage done uh, just by that. And it happens to a lot of guys, and a lot of guys don't end up killing themselves and their wives, but they end up just as in bad health, in bad... Uh, financial situations and you know and that goes along with the territory of being a pro wrestler an independent contractor you have no retirement plan you have no uh, health insurance you have no life insurance and so even the resources you have you think when all this is gone 
you don't have. And so it's something we take for granted as 40-hour-a-week workers at our jobs or whatever. But uh, if you want to be a pro wrestler, you have to, you know, that's something you're going to have to make a choice about. And sadly, sometimes results end up like this. And it's just terrible. It's terrible for everyone involved. It doesn't matter that he's Charles Williams or Hulk Hogan. He's still a pro wrestler. And it's, it's sad that it ends like this. Yeah. Murder suicides aren't something that just, you know, is a, a pro wrestling thing. I mean, we had one here in East Ridge uh, in Tennessee a few months ago. It was terrible that this kid killed his best friend and his mom and yeah. then uh, wrote and told in graphic detail on Facebook how he did it, how he felt, uh, described the scene, and then went to Mississippi and killed himself. And I mean, if you want to talk in other areas of entertainment i mean phil hartman and his wife i mean this is like we're coming up i think on the 20 year anniversary i think it was 98 when that happened same thing you know it it doesn't it's not just specific to pro wrestling i mean this is uh it's a a people problem and a mental health problem and uh just a problem and it's unfortunate that you know the only reason that we even hear about it in the news is because oh it was an old pro wrestler you know this is the kind of news that i think Regardless of where it happens, you know, there should be a long list every day of, like, there was a murder-suicide here. So that way we become more aware as a society and not just, oh, because it was Rock and Rebel, now I care about it. You know, it's it can be anybody, you yeah. know. It's kind of sad that it takes some level of fame or, you know, relation to an industry to get publicized because this is something that we all need to be aware of and be clued into so that we can make advancements as a society so that it doesn't continue to happen so right and the fact that it takes a rock and rebel a chris benoit a phil hartman to get the word out that you know these kinds of things are happening is kind of sad because when it happens in middle middle america when it happens to just a pipe fitter and his wife it's just it's just it's a news a one day news cycle and then it's passed on right so we don't ever take anything away from it. We don't learn anything from it. All right. I'm going to start us up on a happy note. Yeah. On a more happier note, now we're going to start getting better. Stephanie McMahon is going to be the first celebrity on the new Celebrity Undercover Boss that is going to be airing, I believe, on ABC as well. It could be CBS. I'm uh, sure it's probably still CBS since they had the original one. Did they have the original? Okay. Yeah, so- not too excited about this. Like I told you, this is all, you know, the WWE is highly concerned about their image in the public even when they do things that are dirty even when they do things that are rotten even when they do things that you know i sit here and whine about on a podcast but they do them and they cover them up very well and they always put a positive spin on everything and it's always (laughs) you know we got this many twitter likes you know we're doing this for breast cancer and we're doing this for connor's cure we're doing all this but then you see all the bad stuff that they do on a daily basis i mean like i was telling you the fact that wrestlers are still independent contractors and don't have health insurance is something rotten that they do every single day. I mean, that's how they're they're bread and butter. If they had to pay them health insurance, it would cost them so much money because the health insurer is going to be like, you're a pro wrestler? Fuck no, I'm not insuring you. (laughs) So WWE does pay for for if you are in-ring and they pay for in-ring injuries and they do drug rehab and those are the two things that they offer. They offer I mean you get which is better than what it was ten years ago when you didn't get shit. So they are taking slow steps in the proper directions. But right, but it's still not where it needs to be. It's and not so, where it needs to be. Yes, and not I only agree. that, but to do business with uh, Saudi Arabia and to not have women on your card. I'm sorry, I still think that's shitty. This is going to be one of those. Stephanie is the queen of not. 
putting the company in a negative light, so it's not going to be... You reminded me of that episode where the Hooters CEO stumbled into some bad shit going on at a restaurant, and yeah. it, it turned into a news story that, you know, was negative towards the company. Right. Well, I can guarantee you 100% that <laughs> Stephanie will not uncover anything bad. That this is going to be... Someone in the company is struggling with something private that Stephanie is informed of, and Stephanie swoops in to save the day. The WWE is a hero. Stephanie is uh, a goddess, and... Let's all bask in the glow of the greatest woman who ever existed, Stephanie McMahon. That's what it's going to be. So that's why I have no time for it. You're, and this yeah. company is going to look like the most generous, great company you've ever seen. I think what's funny is, though, that, that she puts this blonde wig on. <laughs> and she does look completely different. Because I didn't recognize her. This was a meme populating the Retro Wrestling Podcast Twitter page, like... The last couple of days where they've taken that image of her in the wig where she's in disguise and putting her in the money in the bank ladder match and all these other <laughs> graphics and I was like, I don't know who that is. Am I supposed to know who that is? Yeah. So it fooled me. Yeah. So as shitty as they can sit there and say like, oh, it's just Stephanie in a blonde wig. She got me. Because yeah. I was like, I don't know who this is. Right. Look, they're concerned with getting their brand out there. They just made, you know, $2 billion on TV contracts. So uh, their image, uh, they've already sold their image. So they've done a good job. Maybe there's one or two highlights that can be uh, memes. And we can take something away from it. Other than that, it's just going to be your regular WWE spin on whatever. David Arquette is training for pro wrestling and MMA. He wants a comeback. He wants a comeback. He wants to gain that world heavyweight title one more time. That he never technically really lost. He did. I mean, it, he, was, it was a triple threat. It was ripped out of the ceiling. Out of the ceiling. He tar- was never pinned. No. He he never he never he never pinned. Never submitted. Never submitted. He was never pinned. Never submitted. He he ne- he technically never lost his title. Yeah, he went on Wendy Williams, and for some reason the topic of his wrestling career came up, and he said, yeah, I think I might come back to that soon. Even WWE.com did a piece about reminding us of his championship win, which, coincidentally, Patrick, we did that episode around, you know, right before he did that TV appearance, so I just find it kind of strange. I'm yeah. not saying... David Arquette listens to our show, but it seems odd that Wendy... Maybe Wendy Williams does, because it seems odd anybody would ask him about that, any kind of well, talk I'm, show I'm not host. saying anything, but when I say that I kind of stir the pot of pro wrestling, I stir the pot of pro wrestling. People just don't realize it. Yeah, you got David Arquette to consider coming out of retirement, and uh, he's got a young child at home now with his new wife, not Courtney Cox, and so I don't know that this is actually going to go anywhere. No, listen, he's like Shane McMahon. He wants his kid to see him wrestle one more time. He's just like Goldberg. He's going to come, just like Goldberg, he's going to come out of retirement, he's going to win the world title, he's going to main event WrestleMania, and then he's going to ride off into the sunset with a Hall of Fame ring. That's all I'm saying. Instead of that, I actually think I could see him showing up at All In. That would get a huge pop in Chicago in front of all of these hardcore wrestling fans. Even if he doesn't wrestle, if he just does some sort of appearance. Yeah. Wrestling fans have forgiven. He's been long forgiven. He's... I, actually there's revered. To, there's nothing to forgive him of. Right, though. yeah. He, we've discussed this. I think it was a brilliant idea. I think it was awesome. I hope he saved his tights. Those tights are awesome. Those tights are badass. I do like the flaming tights. Yeah, the uh, they're almost uh, Red Elvis tights, basically. They were badass tights. We have a new release from WWE. Her name, her real name is uh, Julia Ho, and she went under the name Zeta. 
And she was in the Mae Young Classic last year, though I don't remember her appearance in it. This is why I don't remember her appearance, because she was in the first round against uh, Shayna Baszler, who ended up being in the finals of the Mae Young Classic, so she was eliminated rather quickly. Uh, she does have a MMA background, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background. She was trained at the Performance Center by Sarah Del Rey, or Blue Pants, and uh, Brian Kendrick who's worked with a lot of the female wrestlers. And she was on TV as recently as February. She had not been on TV since February, so I guess they had sort of given up on her. But uh, I don't, like I said, I just don't recall that match in the Mae Young Classic, so. But she can always come back, you know. these. Uh, that's the thing about the Performance Center contracts and going to the Performance Center. That doesn't mean it's the end of the road. She could be back very soon. I mean, they're about to do another Mae Young Classic. So she could very easily be signed to do another match in that as an invitee, but not someone that they sign. I mean, there was a lot of great talent from that Mayan Classic they they didn't sign. I think her name was uh, Maya Yim. She was probably one of my favorites from that. And she's a TNA Knockouts champion, by the way, but she was in the Mayan Classic. She had a she also had a story about domestic violence that I thought was very uh, compelling, where she had this one fingernail painted in domestic violence awareness and was something that the company could get behind, and she won a couple matches in the tournament, but at the end of the tournament, they didn't sign her. Just like Tessa Blanchard was in a, had a great couple of matches in the tournament, and they didn't sign her. And so, even if they cut you, especially uh, especially if you're a female wrestler, because they're always looking for depth in their female division, I don't think this Zeta should be discouraged because she was released. It just means you're going to have to work harder and come back, and you might even get a better deal when you come back. So, anybody that's released in the from the Performance Center. I mean, there's some uh, male wrestlers in the Performance Center that we have uh, yet to see debut. Gunner, that uh, you're familiar with, uh, st- still hasn't debuted on TV, and he's st- been signed for almost a year. I, st- he, I still owe him a receipt, by the way. Let's just talk about this for a second. Blindsides me with an elbow and knocks me out cold in the ring. I still owe him for a receipt. But guess who else? You would not have recognized him because he was dressed up like a woman two, two weeks ago on Raw playing Bobby Lashley's sister mr everything victor andrews ladies and gentlemen just want to give a shout out to my buddy victor it's well, awesome it sucks that he was a part of that segment one of the worst segments <laughs> they'd probably put on the air and it was awesome to see him back again, at least though. a year it's awesome to see him back he was on nxt now he's back doing that on live so you know i'm all for it so uh Shout out there to my buddy Victor. Before we get to the uh, show from 2002 that we're reviewing, I just wanted to hit on some uh, some uh, stories that we missed and some story since we were off basically for two weeks since we did two episodes in a row for the same week. Uh, we missed the WWE selling SmackDown to Fox for five years, uh, over $200 million a year. It's going to air on Fridays. It's still going to be live. Uh, But this puts SmackDown back on broadcast, which it hasn't been in many, many years. It also... Well, it's on USA now, so it's not. It's going to be going to Fox. That's right, yes. It it leaves the NBC Universal realm. Uh, NBC Universal had already sewed up Raw, so they are going to be on different networks now. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of promotion is allowed on Raw for SmackDown, considering it's on a rival broadcaster now. But between the two deals, it's over five years is two billion dollars. So it's it's crazy because if I pull up SmackDown live ratings, 
USA just better not ever give up Raw. That's all I've got to say. Well, but if they do give up Raw, I mean... It, it, that You're talking about five. What are they really giving up, though? I mean... So, Fox. The average viewership for last week's SmackDown. For May 29th, so the most recent SmackDown we have, only $2.2 million. So, they're paying $100 a head, basically, for five years. Each fan that tuned in, you're worth $100 to the Fox Network. It's just insane what they got paid for both contracts, because Raw does better, but it doesn't do much better. So actually, at the end of the day, USA got the got a better deal because they're only paying slightly more than Fox is, but for now... better show. Well, it's a better show as of today. I mean, but when you're talking about being on an over-the-air broadcaster, OTA, when you're talking about being on Fox, now I think SmackDown might become the number one priority because you're in a lot more homes. You're in people's homes that don't have cable. Cord cutters. You've got all of them. Uh, and you're on... You're getting promoted in NFL games, uh, in MLB games, anything that Fox has sports access to, you're getting a pro... NASCAR. NASCAR, yeah. they. Well, Fox lost the UFC to ESPN. ESPN picked up the rights to UFC. So this is basically taking the place of that but it'll be interesting next year when smackdown goes to fox if during the brand split you see roman reigns has shifted to fox if you see seth rollins who i think is the top talent in the company as of today shifted to fox if you see john cena is only on smackdown in the future it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, network broadcaster is going to be your number one priority. And also, Fox is going to, is rumored to be putting NXT and 205 Live on FS1. So now you're also getting those shows on cable, where they were only network exclusives. So now you've got even more benefit to the Fox deal. And just the Fox deal in general, the Murdoch family, Rupert Murdoch and Vince, uh, they go very far back. They're very big fans of one another. Uh, they're both... Rupert Murdoch, was he any relation to Dick Murdoch, by the way? Uh, no, oh, no, okay. he was not uh, related to Dick Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, the founder of the Fox Network. Uh, the Murdoch family, they're very uh, Republican, much like Vince is, and they were both upstarts. They were both, they f- felt like they had this renegade presence because, you know, up until Fox debuted in the late 80s, it was three networks, and you're not going to change the three networks, you know. Yeah. That's all we've got. And Rupert Murdoch took Fox out on a limb, you know, with shows like The Simpsons and Married with Children and turned it into something. And turned it into where it's sometimes, you know, when American Idol was hot, it was the number one network in the in America. Yeah. And so he made it a legit thing and then spun that off into Fox News and Fox Sports and this vast empire. And that's the same thing. Vince respects that kind of entrepreneurism and so they... These two families, the McMahons and the and the Murdochs, have a lot in common, and so uh, it'll be interesting to see next year when when they do brand splits and when they which show takes the top priority because Raw might be because I mean even though they were on broadcast before on the WB, Fox is a lot higher brand than the WB or the CW, and so it'll be interesting to see how things shake out. It made the stock soar through the roof. I mean, this stock was at. Like thirty bucks a year ago, and now it's at like nearly sixty. Sixty so, bucks a share. Yeah, it almost doubled because of this news. Finally, Fire Pro Wrestling World, you're saying, is this game that's coming out for the PlayStation? Yes, I sent you the link earlier this morning. 
It's a reboot of the Fire Pro Wrestling brand, which was the engine that the THQ games that I believe it's called Aki, uh, they based those N64 games off of. Yeah. Uh, like No Mercy and WrestleMania 2000 and Revenge and World Tour. They were all, even uh, WCW versus the World, which was on PlayStation 1, was all based on uh, this engine. They modified it for the American market or whatever. It's actually, I think, been on PC a while because I've seen a lot of uh, mods, like character mods and stuff on Twitter. Uh, but it's going to be 50 bucks uh, for your PlayStation or your Xbox, I assume. And and from the trailer I watched right before we did this and from the screenshots, it does. It looks exactly like classic Fire Pro Wrestling, but you can do all these new things and they've introduced new match types and they've introduced rule changes that you can make that are like not even real rules that are, you know come from the internet so homebrew rules and so the creator wrestler mode is very intricate you can create guys that look like anybody yeah. uh the realistic simulation where uh heels and faces play up their traits and then there's going to be an online mode. Landmine match, barbed wire match, steel cage match. You have MMA rules. No hose barred, gruesome fighting. You have what you were talking about. SWA homebrew rules for mixed pro wrestling and MMA. I don't know what that one means. However, though, you can, uh, you can customize everything. You customize from head to toe a logo, a ring, an entryway... You can even customize your referee. You can customize everything. I'm intrigued. GameStop's got it for $49.99. Comes out... August 28th. August 28th. I don't know. You you talking about the past game that you have. You sold me on the idea. Of... I have a, a PlayStation 2 version of the game that came out that I believe... I forget what it was called, but it was Fire Pro Wrestling. What I didn't really like about it was the grappling system. It's very... For me, it was difficult to understand. A lot of people are probably screaming at their podcast device that it's not difficult to understand, but... How dare you, Alex? It wasn't... It's not button mashing. It's not, if I hit X before you do, I get the grapple or whatever. It was something in between where it was, like, timed, and it was something that didn't really... I didn't like. But as far as the roster of wrestlers and the, the creator wrestler tools and the, the ring modifications and everything you could make, I could see where people could really love this game. Uh, but for me, when I played it, I think that especially people that played a lot of the 2K games, especially the ones that are more recent, when you pick this up, you probably will not like it at first. And that's just my word of warning. Uh, you might get used to the control system and you might get used to... Uh, the graphics. It's a, it's a 2D-looking game. I mean, it looks like something that actually could probably be played on the Super NES. Like, it's a 16-bit-looking game that is souped up with, like, the memory capacity of a PS4, and so it, you can do a lot of modifications to it. But at the end of the day, it's a 2D-looking game. If you're looking for great graphics or great story modes... Not sure you're going to find that here, and that's just a word of warning. I'm not saying you're not going to enjoy it, but just be aware that this is not this is not 2K19. You know, this is going to be very different from whatever you're used to. And that's my only caveat about this game that I would forewarn people about. If you're looking for you're not a WWE 2K... Detailed. Like, yeah, 2K like 3D, D like yeah. you look exactly like you would. 
in real life, like muscle definition, body and, sweat. All yeah, that. you're not going to get that. No, you'll get a great a great game, but yeah. it's going to be very, very, very different from what you're used to, and that's my only caveat. And if they have Maybe this edition is different and actually has a control scheme that's similar to 2K, so you can get right into it. Because I think that's the thing that, like, first-person shooter games have done, is, like, they all have basically the same control system. Like, I know that R2 is going to fire my gun. Yeah. I know that I that I can control this by doing... I can throw a grenade, I can cook it by doing... The, by L2 or whatever. They all have, like, a shared control... They all have sort of the shared rules... But if you get a wrestling game that doesn't share the rules, it might throw you off. And you might be like, fuck this. You Which know? is like the TNA game. <laughs> or the best example I could probably give is the difference between the THQ UFC games and the EA Sports under, and UFC games. The EA Sports UFC games are more like Fight Night. And their submission system is more like, you know... I'd love to have a boxing... You speak Fight Night, I'd love to have a boxing game back. Just... But that's... Well, they took UFC as, I mean, boxing is in no man's land yeah, in 2018. Yeah, we don't have Muhammad Ali or Joe You don't have Frazier a superstar or, anymore. Yeah, you don't have a... That's what I would compare it to, basically, is if you played UFC Undisputed 3 and then played EA Sports UFC, what's now referred to as UFC 1, you're going to have some difficulty. So now it's time to go back to your pick. Uh, this was a pick not announced on the show. This was one that I just called you and had to ask you because I forgot at the end of our live review. So you wanted to review the June 3rd, 2002 edition of Monday Night Raw, which was... Or, or if you're looking on the network, it's Raw 471. Yeah, well, I mean, it's organized by year, so it, it's easy to find. June 3rd, 2002, this is after the brand split of Raw and SmackDown. This is when Ric Flair was a co-owner of the WWE, that's right. He defeated Vince in a match and won half the company. And he decided to own Raw. <laughs> but SmackDown was on UPN at the time. So, of course, Vince is going to be the owner of the bigger show, right? So maybe that is something that might happen. You might see Kurt Angle end up on SmackDown somehow. And Paige is now the Raw GM next year. Who knows what will happen. But that is the situation we find ourselves in. Another prerequisite to know before this show is following uh, WrestleMania uh, X8, Stone Cold Steve Austin had walked out of the company for a week or yeah. two weeks. It was, I think it was just a week. But it was immediately after that match with uh, Scott Hall, which did not go very well, which Kevin Nash earned the sweetest payday of anybody involved because he was not actually the one in the match, did all the work, didn't get pinned, didn't get submitted, didn't get counted out. Instead, Scott Hall took the fall. And what's very funny about that match also is that was when they wanted to do Austin and Hogan because they were both in the company at the same time. And now Austin, anytime he's interviewed about this, says, you know, Hogan was just a step or two below me, you know, a step or two behind me. He was slower. He was older. That's why I didn't want to do it. Well, guess what? I mean, Scott Hall was not exactly on Stone Cold Steve Austin's, you know, pace in 2002. So I think it's funny that he accepted the match with... Hall and didn't accept the match with Hogan. I think it all came down to who was going to do the job. 
that's all it came down to. And Hogan wasn't going to lay down for Austin, and Austin wasn't going to lay down for Hogan, so they couldn't yeah. do it. Austin trying to bullshit his way out of that is kind of, I find that to be stupid in retrospect. Why? why? I mean, and he said it before. He's even given that reason, like, who's going to lose that match? Like, but now he goes back and, and is like, ah, Hogan just wasn't on my level. Scott Hall was not on your level. I mean, Scott Hall had been fired from WCW since 2000. This is a guy that didn't have regular TV matches for almost two years until you ran into him at WrestleMania. That's all I'm going to say to that. I just think that's a stupid reasoning. So Austin had walked out on them earlier when they did the draft between Raw and SmackDown. So his return week was, oh my God, who's going to... Stone Cold's going to... Is he going to sign with Raw, who had a terrible draft, by the way? <laughs> Raw drafted shitty. Ric Flair is a shitty GM co-owner. He drafted the worst list. He drafted, like, the NWO, Booker T., which that's, you know, in some regards is fine, but SmackDown ended up with, like, The Rock, uh, Kurt Angle, Edge, <laughs> Jericho, like, the Benoit, the list goes on and on. Like, SmackDown raided this roster. They owned it. Yeah, and... Rick, you know what? Raw got Trish, all right? That's all I'm saying. Well, I guess Raw knew their priorities. Oh, wait, no. This is back when the world title and the women's champion. They could transfer, yeah. They would go everywhere. If you were title, you could go, well, well, shit. They got Terry, (laughs) as we see in this episode. Yes. So, this is June 3rd, 2002. We start backstage with WWE co-owner Ric Flair, who's with Eddie Guerrero, who had just recently been re-signed for a feud with Austin, because this was a guy that was fired for uh, pill abuse, which stems from WCW. He had a terrible car accident uh, heading into uh, 1999. It was like New Year's Eve, 98. He almost didn't survive the car accident. The officer that found the car that he was in thought, there's no way there's a living human being here. And so Eddie survived the car accident, was out of action for a long time, but this is where the dependence of pills and pain pills and all the other substance abuse started. Because 99, was he still with WCW? Yes, he did come back. Uh, it, it took about six months. He came back in the summertime. And of that's right when, he, right when he left to do the whole radicals thing. In he left in January of 2000 for WWF. Okay. Huh. And he was dismissed. Uh, after WrestleMania X7, uh, shortly thereafter, so he had been away from the company about I don't I don't know if it was about a year, but he was away long enough to do like an independent match with like Rey Mysterio, like while Rey was sitting out his WCW contract. Yeah, and uh, so they signed him back for this feud with Austin. So he's backstage with Ric Flair, who's also backstage with former Four Horsemen here, Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson. Are we having a new Four Horsemen form here? I'd, I'd love to see this as a Four Horsemen. So they're backstage with the co-owner, Ric Flair. He tells Arn, he says, look, when Austin shows up, I'm going to be in the ring waiting for him. And Arn is just like, okay. And so Benoit, Guerrero, and Flair all walk out in a line, an endless line of rent-a-cops leaves behind Ric Flair because Austin is that dangerous. He needs the entire Dallas PD. We're at the American Airlines Center. He got the entire Dallas PD to take the night off and protect him from Stone Cold Steve Austin. Move to the music. Play that fucking music. Yeah. Yeah. Get it on. (laughs) We're off. It's raw. Huge pyro. Man, this pyro display. I miss pyro. Well, I've thought about pyro and why it costs so much it costs so much probably get the the fire person to sign off on it the fire marshal to come in and sign off on it the pyro itself is probably not that expensive the license to use it that's probably what costs the most yeah is inefficient about it it's like yeah 
we've got two grand worth of fireworks, but we need to pay five grand to register it, to use it tonight inside so we don't burn the place down. Like Great White, you know, we don't want a situation where, like, the building is on fire and everyone... That's, I think, why they don't do it as much anymore. I think that's the actual cost inefficiency about it. House shows don't get it at all anymore. Fire marshals will fucking bust your ass over anything. Like, this is... I don't want to say it's a racket because, you know, not having your place burned down is a priority. But these places go above and beyond to make sure that you are in compliance with... I mean, there was a rule in our city where it was talking about, you know, nightclubs have to have this certain sprinkler system and it cost them like 10 grand to install it. And the nightclub, the definition of nightclub included like the comedy catch, like this tiny room anyway, needed a $10,000 sprinkler system. Sprinkler system and so they ended up moving. Yeah. Or like some of the other ones they wanted, they had to go out of business. Yeah. To a point, I understand safety, but then you you put people a sprinkler out of- system that works is all that matters. Why does it have to be that one specific kind? Because it's the best kind, Patrick. It's all in the name of safety. Huge pyro goes off. Before anything else, we need to know that Trish and Terry will be in a lingerie match tonight. That's our hook. Well, that's all, enough said. And also, Nash will have a major announcement enough about said. the NWO. Right there. I'm I'm here for two more hours. I'm hooked. Flair is out with Benoit and Eddie and a long line of rent-a-cops. Benoit jumped Stone Cold last week and Eddie joined in. They were the welcoming committee, that's what they called themselves, which is a name that women's wrestlers would use later on, just about a year ago. The welcoming committee. Benoit grabs the mic and says he appeared on Raw just to see Stone Cold Steve Austin. Says he can't wrestle tonight, he talks about King of the Ring and how Austin broke his neck, which we've already done that episode where he took that side suplex, super side suplex, but it wasn't from Austin's hands, by the way, it was from Jericho's. Where he broke his neck. He says he's run out of time, and he's run out of patience, and I want Stone Cold Steve Austin. Even though he's not medically cleared. For this someone. was an intense Chris Benoit. And the what champ, by the way, is in full effect. What? You're in Dallas, Texas, so you're already in Stone Cold's neighborhood, but this what? is when this chant was relatively new. What? And Chris Benoit speaks slow and takes pauses, so... What? This was all over him. <laughs> I hate it. I've... Yeah. It's one of the worst things we've done. <laughs> I'm glad it's kind of died off. (laughs) It's not as apparent. Not as much. Unless you take giant pauses, they'll do it. But uh, Eddie grabs the mic. He says he lost the IC belt last week. He lost some of his Latino heat. The one thing I notice here about Eddie is, dude, this dude is his top heavy. Like, you talk about Roydy Magoo. Holy fucking shit. This dude, his vein. It's so distracting. It's all I'm looking at are the veins popping out of his arms. like, And it's just so... It looks so awkward on him because he's a smaller d- guy, you know, yeah. to carry all this mass. like. And it's hard to believe he's going to get bigger. It's true, yeah. This is not the... This the, is not the biggest he, he would get. The full effect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He says he found his Latino heat last week even though he lost the match. Rick says to Eddie, you are so cool. <laughs> which, I, which is something a grandpa would say to their you're grandson. You're you so, so cool, man. Yeah. What chants are not given to Ric Flair? The crowd respects Ric Flair and what he has to say. Flair says, I bet Austin would like to wrestle. But Flair says, guess what? He is benched. Oh, Austin can talk to Arn Anderson. And Arn's going to tell him to come down here and Ric Flair will tell it to his face that you are on the bench. That's right. Now, on the Titantron, out of nowhere, Austin appears, 
He has attacked Arn and using him as a human puppet. That wasn't Arn? No, that was not Arn. As good as a puppeteer as Stone Cold Steve Austin is, that was Stone Cold Steve Austin doing the voice for Arn I did Arn not Anderson. know this. So he throws the lifeless body of Arn Anderson down to the ground, and he's got his vest on and no shirt, and it looks like he's ready to come to the ring. And he says to Flair that... He's just beat Arn's ass, and he wants Benoit or Guerrero, and he wants him right now. Flair says, sorry, you can't have Eddie, he's booked tonight, and Chris Benoit is not medically cleared, and he's SmackDown's property, so you can't fight him at all. Austin says, well, that's fine. I'll fight you right here in Texas. Right here. But if he wins the match, he's off the bench and competing full-time. If he loses the match, he's back on the bench. Forever. He's going to be Ric Flair's personal assistant. Flair says, you want the 16-time world champion? Okay. You can wrestle the man under one condition. It's an old-time wrestling match, not some bar fight, Austin. You ain't no match for the Nature Boy in a wrestling match. Austin says, what is a Nature Boy? Do you like nature? Do you like boys? (laughs) Wait, don't answer that. Then he kicks the shit out of Arn Anderson for some reason. Well, Arn was coming too, and he just decided to... Austin says he's been drinking all day and says nature is calling him. As Arn is laying there, lifeless, knocked out. He is sprayed with fake piss, like the yellowest fake piss you can find, as it's implied that Austin whipped out his dick and pissed on Arn Anderson (laughs) right in the back, which seems very odd to do. The camera comes back to Austin. Austin says it's better to be pissed off. Than pissed on. What exactly is a nature boy? Do you like nature? Do you like boys? No, don't answer that. Don't answer that at all. What? Wait a minute! You know what? Look at me. You can call yourself a nature boy all you want. But the truth of the matter is, Stone Cold Steve Austin has been drinking beer all day. Uh-oh. And right now, nature, I'll be damned if nature ain't calling right now. No, oh. wait a minute. Oh, oh. oh my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't. What? 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 The ultimate. Oh. After defiance. You know, Ricky, you always say, in order to be the man, you gotta beat the man. Well, I always say, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. And that's the bottom line, cause Stone Cold said so. Wonderful. <laughs> I forgot that this ever happened. This is... What a one... Arn Anderson, still with the company, by the way, but to accept... <laughs> being fake peed on I guess you know you do what you do for your job but that's a whole new level of- so stupid <laughs> like and also the fact that I mean the baby face Stone Cold Steve Austin just, just urinated <laughs> on a man oh, yeah. that's the guy we're supposed to get behind I'm a legend by the way yeah not just some random guy. Not somebody we hate. The Enforcer. Actual, the Enforcer are a legend that we all have come to know and love. Who doesn't like silly shit, no, by the way. No, he does not tolerate serious, goofiness. He's one of the most serious men he in the He thinks wrestling. this shit is real yeah, still. Yeah. yeah. We go to a commercial break on that cliffhanger. 
And a match is basically in progress when we come back. The hardcore title's on the line with Stevie Richards and Bradshaw and Jacqueline as the ref. This is a Texas night, Patrick. This is. is all about Texas. Yeah. Are you from Texas? You get to wrestle tonight because everybody is fucking from Texas. Bradshaw slams a cowbell into Stevie's head, hits a pump handle slam, and hogties Stevie. He goes and gets a rope and a saddle, which he tossed into the ring, and I thought almost would kill Stevie if this thing fell on him. This was a legit saddle. And then he grabs his bullhorns, which as JBL he would stick on his limo. So he was thinking ahead here. But when he gets in the ring, Richards greets him with a trash can lid to the head. Bradshaw hits a fallaway slam. and then Spike Dudley comes into the matches. The 24-7 rule is still in effect. Spike jumps. Bradshaw hits a clothesline from hell on Richards and wins the belt. Damn. Justin Credible's out next and get his ass kicked by Bradshaw. It's weird that he's in tights and not jorts. Crash Holly tries to get his belt back, but gets a big boot. And Bradshaw, by the way, he was so proud about winning the belt, he forgot to grab it. So instead, he went up the ramp and showed horns, you know, hook em horns to the crowd to remind them he's from Texas. And then Jackie goes and gets the belt, and we have a new hardcore champion. So, there you go. I really thought my buddy... Stevie was going to retain the hardcore title. Not tonight in Texas. Booker T, X-Pac, Big Show, and Nash. Yes, this is the New World Order for one more week at least. Goldust appears backstage to interview them as he says he's coach. He doesn't try to put on blackface, luckily. And he's just, he says, oh, I'm coach. And says, do you consider Goldust joining the NWO? And uh, Nash is like, no, no, hell no. Book that. Booker T speaks up. Yeah. Booker like, says, hold on, hold on. This is my old friend here, Goldust. And tonight, if Goldie can beat X-Pac, he can join the New World Order. And that little rat... Rat-faced something. Rat-faced. He X- is a rat face, X-Pac. <laughs> a perfect description. Is out of the NWO. Yeah, so this is wrestling for X-Pac's NWO spot. What a valuable thing to <laughs> wrestle for. By the way, if Goldust uh, had waited a few years, he'd be perfect for the NWO as Black Rain. His Black Rain gear from TNA, it would look perfect in the NWO. That's true. X-Pac is out wearing Kane's mask, which he had sent Kane home, as this is another feud that was endless. Kane and X-Pac forever. You know, these guys... We know, it's still going on to Yeah, it day. is. The, yeah, when he wins mayor of Knox County, he might ban X-Pac from traveling to Knox County. I would. This... Yeah, I would too. <laughs> this is a King of the Ring qualifier, believe it or not, as I ponder that X-Pog might be the guy to have been in the most tournaments and not win. Yeah, he was in 98. So he's in 94, 98. He was in 99, so there's three. Uh, he was in 2000, so there's four. Man. But he was in 2002, so there's five. Five. Five right there as we speak of. That he came up and lost in all of them. Five out of the, what, seven at this point in time? Nine. Nine. So five. Five out of nine. He's batting. Over half. Over 50%. He fucking lost. (laughs) This man should have won King of the Ring by now. Man, that is, yeah, he sucks. It's a King of the Ring qualifier, believe it or not, as Goldust also comes out next. He might be up there too, as far as losers in the King of the Ring. Well, let's pick, this is Goldust. This is Goldie's comeback from Royal Rumble 2002 here. Right. This is World. He hadn't been back long. Yeah. So. And he had a good thing going with Booker T until the NWO showed up. So they fucked that up. Well, I don't know when he got electrocuted. I kind of. Or is that? Oh, that's later. Okay. The NWO entrance. 
And Goldust entrance back to back is kind of cool. These are two special entrances because like X Pac gets the black and white filter yeah. and Goldust gets the gold filter, so yeah. it's like two special entrances. Next Monday they'll be in Atlanta, so this is like almost WCW reunion here based on who was also the referee. Goldust has a little goatee here in two thousand two, or so I thought. <laughs> X Pac sucks chance breakout. Goldust wants to too sweet X-Pac here in Texas, his home right, state. Man. Too sweet, man. And he gets kicked for his trouble. An inverted atomic drop to X-Pac followed by stomps. Goldust hits the rear view and gets a two count. X-Pac hits a spin kick to Goldust for two. X-Pac then rips Goldust's goatee off, which was fake. He did not grow a goatee. X-Pac calls for the Bronco Buster but misses. Corner punches to X-Pac from Goldust. And then Goldust too sweets to the crowd and then elbows X-Pac in the head. Goldust calls for a Bronco Buster and hits a very ugly Bronco Buster. Dustin, do not do this move. I thought it was great. JR says it looked like a bizarre mating call. X-Pac blocks a second Bronco Buster attempt from Goldust. X-Factor and X-Pac will... Puts his boot up right into his Golden Globes. X-Pac will advance in the King of Ring tournament after hitting the X-Factor in a, uh, a match that happened. And retains his membership in the NWA. He does. That's, That's the more most, valuable. Yeah. Considering what happens part. next week. RVD and Eddie Guerrero on a ladder last week where a fan ran in. I'll never forget it. A fan shoved the ladder over as Eddie was climbing it. Wanted to fight Eddie. Eddie decked the guy as Earl was wrestling him to the ground. And RVD watched it. It was a very nutty scene. It was actually something they covered on Confidential, which was on the air at the time. And uh, on TNN. And uh, bite this. So it was something the company acknowledged happened, but you said you watched this Raw and you didn't see that. I didn't see it. I, so they might have edited it out over time. After seeing after seeing it on uh, after you showed me the replay again, I remember it happening when it happened, but I had forgotten completely about that match, and yeah. so I went back. This made me want want to watch this match again, so I tuned back over and watched this match. RVD, who was super hot here in. 2002. It's a great, great ladder match, by the way. It is good, even with that fan running. It's it's outstanding. RVD is going to have an interview with Coach when they come back. That's what they went to break with. Stay right, stay right there. We have an interview coming up. RVD says to Coach, "No doubt the ladder match was rough, but the IC belt means a lot to him." He says, "2002 is the summer of RVD. It would not be the summer of RVD because Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar are here." RVD makes a Subway diet joke about Heyman, which is a joke that does not hold up well here in 2018, with the benefit of hindsight. Paul wanted RVD to meet Brock Lesnar and come face to face with the next big thing. RVD says he looks forward to it. Brock doesn't say a fucking word, and then they leave. Which is the best way to do it. Matt Hardy and Jeff are in the back as Jeff is just sitting strumming on a guitar, like the drifter here. He's thinking... The Hardys have a chat about life and how they need to live for the moment. They need to get back to being extreme, Patrick. Yeah, they've kind of they've kind of mellowed out in their their older age. Yeah, their older age in two thousand two. Kind of, they've mellowed out, so they need to get back to the extreme. Jeff puts the guitar down and says, "You'll see where I'm going with this. Just watch." Man, that's uh oh. Hey man. Hey man. What uh, are you doing? I'm just playing the guitar. We've been all day. Here, man, just, just hanging out. Let me ask you something, man. Did you ever think there would be more than than this? What do you mean? Just us here, man. Live for the moment. Remember that? Yeah. Team Extreme. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. I mean, man, we go somewhere, we wrestle. Go somewhere else, we wrestle. I mean, God, we don't live for the moment. 
We're not extreme. We're hypocrites. I'm not really following you. I mean, I don't... Where are you going with this? Matt, what... You'll see where I'm going with it. Flair is drawing up the contract and says, You know what? If I win, go ahead and add this there to, the, to it, Mr. Lawyer, that Austin will be my personal assistant. That's right. And if Austin throws a punch, he's DQ'd. Austin, the dumb baby face, comes in and signs a contract without reading it. That's right. Then he says, Hey, Flair, are you going to sign it? And Flair does. Austin then makes a few jokes at the Renacop's expense. Now it's time for our lingerie match. Trish is on the way out. She's already in lingerie, so this is not an evening gown match. They won't have to unveil their lingerie. And so they, they just wrestle in it. What is, what is her wrestling attire? I believe it was pink, just lingerie. I, it was she red, had, actually. Oh, red? Yes, okay, red. Terry had pink, right? It was a red bra and panty set. It had a removable bottom with thong underneath, which was still to come, but... That's what it was. Jerry Lawler breaks into a sweat, as I was afraid his first heart attack would happen here. Raw is sponsored by Stacker 2, which, if you remember the original Stacker 2, I believe was uh, linked to a pitcher's death in either the MILB, the minor leagues, or the major leagues. For making a guy's heart rate so up, it it exploded. Yeah, and uh, Stacker 2 would later be bought by a different company, and it's a different formula now, so if you see it on your counter at your local gas station it's it's something different now so that name was still valuable someone bought it and continued it on but uh scary to think this is associated with pro wrestling in some way you know oh yeah and this is before you know the energy or scary the king is doing the uh (laughs) the promo for it it's also brought to you by xbox and Slim Jim, who couldn't sponsor WCW anymore, so their primary wrestling company went out of business last Snap year. Snap into a Slim Jim. Terry's out next in a robe, so you think, oh, she's naked. Because this is what Terry does. The women's title's on the line she's here. She's in a pink bra and, and thong, pink of course. Yes, that. Terry gets her offense, if you want to call it it's that. It's important that you let the fans know what their wardrobe is. Yes. She gets a two count quickly, and Terry body slams Trish. Terry climbs to the top, hits a crossbody for two. Trish throws some forearms into Terry and snapmares her and hits a snap suplex for a two count. This is a great match. Trish takes a big boot from Terry, then Trish tries a powerbomb on Terry, but Terry punches out of it. Trish hits the Stratisfaction running bulldog for the win. Molly Holly runs out and belt shots Trish, and then Trish throws her thong cover off she pulls down her panties to reveal that she had a second pair of panties on thong underwear and throws her exterior underwear at molly holly who jr in one of his best calls ever trashes molly holly for being a virgin as that is a heel thing to do and then proceeds to tell her to sell those on ebay wow wonderful jr i'm sure he was thrilled to do this brock lesnar We'll team up with Eddie Guerrero next to take on Bubba Ray and RVD as, in one of all their brilliant moves in the 2002 draft, they split up the Dudley boys. Great idea, everybody. Well, we got the Hardys, but we split the Dudley What Arn Anderson is in the back, and he's mad, as Rightly one so. would be. As well, he, he's was, changed, he has changed his shirt now. Yes, he was urinated on earlier this evening. Arn vows that when Austin is Flair's servant, he will poop in the toilet while Austin is cleaning it, so... <laughs> Wonderful. We have that episode to look forward to. 
Last Monday, Bubba Dudley got beat with interference from Paul Heyman and ate an F5 from uh, Brock Lesnar and lost. We'll talk about Austin and uh, Brock's deal later on, but you figure you go one week from beating Bubba Ray Dudley, that's the that's the ladder they wanted hey, to What hand. they had done is they put Heyman with him, and so everybody who had worked with Heyman, every, all of Heyman's buddies... Right, ECW guys were going to go down. We're going to go and help, help. They were going to take falls to help this young upcomer Brock Lesnar. If you look back, pretty much all of his first start, it was nothing but ECW people that he attacked. And a lot of people haven't caught on to that, but I'm blowing the whistle on it now if you haven't. Bubba is out followed by RVD. Lesnar wants to square off with RVD, but Bubba demands a tag instead. The heels double-team Bubba. Eddie tags in. Bubba hits him with a sidewalk slam. Eddie tags Brock in. Brock throws some shoulders into Bubba in the corner. Throws him corner to corner. But then Bubba hits a DDT that Lesnar sells on his knee, by the way. So a cane sell. RVD tags in, hits a super kick to Lesnar, tries a running cross, but gets a backbreaker and power slam from Lesnar. Eddie tags in. RVD chance break out as Guerrero goes on offense. RVD hits a spinning heel kick to Guerrero and tags in Bubba. Bubba hits the shake, rattle, and roll elbow, a tribute to Dusty Rhodes in Texas, and then hits a release German suplex, believe it or not, to Brock Lesnar. A, yes, this is Bubba Ray Dudley. A belly-to-back suplex. Well, release German. What's well, same From Bubba Ray Dudley to Brock Lesnar. And he launches him a good seven or eight feet. He then asks himself to get the tables as there's no Devon. So he does. Lesnar tries to stop him and Guerrero baseball slides the table into Bubba. Bubba gets rolled back in by Lesnar and Guerrero tees off on him. Guerrero hits a springboard neckbreaker to Bubba who is sitting up in the ring. Lesnar takes a Bubba bomb. Eddie and RVD get the hot tags. RVD launches Eddie into the corner and Monkey flips him out. Hits a split-legged moonsault, rolling thunder, and Lesnar breaks the count. Eddie gets dropped by Bubba who Lesnar belly to bellies. RVD goes for a five-star frog splash on Lesnar. Heyman intervenes and RVD gets an F5 and a frog splash from Eddie. Eddie wins while Bubba tackles Lesnar and costs RVD the match, basically. So there you go. William Regal is with Coach. Coach says... What about Molly Holly? And I was like, how do they know each other? I totally forgot about this pairing. Regal just kind of dismisses the question. Then he says, uh, no, it's tonight it's about my qualifying match with Booker T in the King of the Ring tournament. Even my last name is Regal. I mean, it's royalty. Yeah. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. Regal is interrupted by Booker T. Regal says Booker can't even spell King. Instead, Booker says, you don't know anything about George Washington. He overthrew your king. He beat your king's ass a long time ago. After he chopped down that cherry tree, baby. And then he yells, sucka, and leaves. Who would best represent the WWE as their king? Which wrestler best represents royalty? I mean, my name, it even says royalty, Regal. And if I can't represent the WWE... You're not royalty. What you trying to say? I can't be royalty. Well, if anybody's going to be king, it's me. I think you're mistaken, Sunshine. I don't think you could even spell King. Oh, you want to play like that, huh? You, I know another guy who can spell King. Yeah, my boy G. Yeah, G.W. George Washington. Yeah, he was too busy chopping down cherry trees and kicking your king's ass in that Revolutionary War. Now, can you dig that? How charming. It seems as though Booker T 
went to a history lesson one day. Well, it's a shame he didn't go every bloody day and he would have read his textbooks and found out that George Washington never even got his hands on King George. In fact, he never... Sucker! Now, can you dig that? Jerry Lawler pimps the WWF cookbook that came out. The <laughs> WWE cookbook. Jim Ross then throws to the Tough Enough 2 finale, which just happened over the weekend, where Linda Miles and Jackie Gata won defeating Kenny Lane, who would compete in Ring of Honor and TNA as Kenny King. And was on The Bachelor. And Jake Sokoloff, who is a real estate agent now, so he did not continue his career yes booker t who is in the nwo comes out to his norm it's funny he's in the nwo booker t is but he comes out to his harlem heat theme song which is awesome but doesn't make any sense european champ william regal and his power of the punch theme song is out natch he's a man no it's not that no. it's durn, durn. such a man no he's next, a man no. next week smackdown is at the bylo center in greenville south carolina bylo the name does not fit. <laughs> Mustacheless Nick Patrick. This is the WCW reunion here as we have Mustacheless Nick Patrick who looks so weird. Two future King of the Ring winners. It's a way. WCW tribute match. It here, is. As it's a Texas native Booker T and William Regal here and WCW ref Nick Patrick. A scissor kick gets a two count on Regal. Regal gets a steel chair and the European belt which was stupid on his part because Nick Patrick says, hey, Give me that chair. And Booker, since he's a heel, belt shots him and gets the win. Because he's a heel. That's more, the only heelish More happened in between that. Not really. Not really. He says, oh, you need to hit my music so I can give the people what they want. Which is the Spinneroonie. That's right. And he does. That's what they came to see. Tommy Dreamer's next to a bucket in the bathroom. Yes, a slop bucket. Maybe the Godwins are going to appear tonight. Despite the toilet being right there, I don't know why he chose to use a bucket when he was in the bathroom, but okay. He's throwing up. The coach says, if you're sick, your match's coming up, you know, what are you going to do? Here's what Undertaker did to Triple H last week on SmackDown, and we see highlights where Triple H was annihilated with a steel chair, and big evil Undertaker took him out. Tommy pukes in the bucket. Wonderful. Dead man walking. Undisputed champion Undertaker is out here, not in the main event. No motorbike. He just walks out. I guess his motorbike... Texas native Undertaker decided, you know what, I'm just going to leave the bike at home this week. That's right. Tommy Dreamer is out with his puke bucket. I guess this is a draws tribute match after the WCW tribute match. <laughs> Tommy grabs a handful of vomit and He's stuffs... He's gonna puke! Tommy grabs a handful of vomit and stuffs his face with it. Why does he eat his own puke? I don't know. So Dreamer gets a jump with the vomit in his mouth, takes a power slam on the ring mats and spits the rest of his vomit up. Taker chokeslams him when they return to the ring, drops some elbows. He lifts up Tommy Dreamer before the three is counted, that dirty heel Undertaker. So Undertaker makes Dreamer tap out with a dragon sleeper. Yes, that's right. That's what Undertaker wanted to get over here. JR mentions that in eight years in ECW, Tommy Dreamer would never tap out. But here tonight, he did. To a dragon sleeper from the Undertaker. It's because he's sick. Sure. Taker grabs the puke bucket and, of course, dumps Dreamer in it. And then, uh-oh, someone baseball slides him into the vomit. Someone hits Undertaker. This is blasphemy. Who barely falls in the vomit, by the way. He gets, like, the least amount of the fake puke on him. It's on and his arms and his 
chest. Yeah. A little bit. And so Taker stands up, and just in case Taker didn't know who it was, they went ahead and hit Jeff Hardy's theme music so he'd know exactly who it was as Jeff Hardy. This was the step he wanted to take to He's get extreme. To live on the wild side. Matt Hardy is backstage on his cell phone when we come back from break. Taker comes in looking for Jeff and says, hey Matt, where is he? And Jeff's, and Matt's like, I don't know where Jeff's at. He went home. He's gone. I don't know. And he says, hey, deliver this message for me. And he beats the shit out of Matt Hardy, who was just on the phone for no reason. So there, I guess Matt Hardy will deliver that message. I guess he'll beat up Jeff Hardy and say, this is from The Undertaker. <laughs> hey, Matt. Uh-oh. Where's that punk-ass little brother of yours? He's gone, man. He's out of here. Then you just give him a message for me. Sure, I'll give him whatever. Go! Holy! A message? Matt Hardy's brother, Jeff, getting to a pump here by the, the vomit-laden Undertaker. I want you to deliver this suck out. Matt Hardy paying for his brother's sins. Nash is out. Nash comes out. A giant Nash is trash sign is in the front row on the hard camera side. Thank you. I'm loving the woman in the purple. Oh, she's later on. WCW. She's the last one left. I'm digging that. Nash says some announcements don't live up to the hype. Yeah, like Goldberg is going to put his undefeated streak on at Starcade 98. Yeah, some announcements. Some matches and announcements don't live up to the hype, but this one will. Ladies and gentlemen, the newest member of the NWO, Shawn Michaels. You know, a lot of times in this business, the deliverer of a hype situation never really lives up to the billing. I promised everyone tonight that I would deliver something that would rock the WWE's foundation. There's a new member to the NWO. What? Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce the new member to the NWO! Who is it? Oh, wait a minute. It can't be. What? Is it really? There's, it's a heartbreak kid, Shawn Michaels. The Heartbreak Kid. Who doesn't come out to NWO music. He comes out to his Shawn Michaels music and the crowd goes nuts. And Ballistic. Yes, and he's in his NWO shirt and his little cabbie hat, which would be in SmackDown Shut Your Mouth, unfortunately, because of this one thing that he did. Shawn and Diesel then recreate their old high-five spot when the little man would hop up to give the big man a high-five. Or, in this case, too sweet. Shawn then does his Shawn pose in front of Kevin, and that's it. No promo. But probably a good idea to save that for another day. Yeah, I mean, the returning... Because this gets people talking. Is he going to wrestle? Is he just going to be a manager? Four years, the returning Shawn Michaels. Well, four years if you think he's coming back as an in-ring performer. We don't know at this point. And also, he was actually... In, he was still employed up until last year, 2001, when finally someone said, you know what, you just stand back here and do drugs every week. You're going to go home, Mr. Michaels. And so right before WrestleMania X7, he got sent home. And one of the greatest stories that I have heard is that 
So the go home show to WrestleMania X7, Chris Jericho dressed up as Dork the Clown. Yeah. And when he was done, he walked backstage, and Shawn Michaels stand there, and he's high as shit. And he looks at Chris Jericho, and he says, They should have never made you Dork. And Jericho says to him, No, this is just one night, Shawn. I just dressed up for a segment. And he was like, They should have never made you Dork. They're really blowing it with you, kid. And, like, walked off, because he had no fucking idea what was going on. And that was it for him. <laughs> Basically until this, so he got a year running his wrestling school and staying out of the company and getting clean, I guess, and so now he's back. Does he still run his wrestling school? No, he does not. Deborah is backstage with then-husband Stone Cold Steve Austin. Deborah is reading the contract. She's all of a sudden a lawyer, and it turns out Flair will be Austin's servant if Austin wins tonight. The lawyer screwed up. The loser must be the winner's servant. He didn't write in specifics. That Well, that's, that's bullshit, man. Flair has a case against this lawyer. I agree. The Nature Boy is out first. Woo! Snickers Cruncher presents King of the Ring on June 23rd. Austin, of course, out to a mega pop here in Texas. But remember, Austin can't throw a punch. Remember that as we classic, bend the rules. Classic wrestling here. So here's your woman in the WCW shirt in the front row. It's got to be open hand, no closed. Well, fist. that open hand stuff was bullshit. Open that was hand. a workaround. It's got to be open hand. You can chop. No, you can't hand. punch. You can chop. You can't punch. And you can't chop to the face. You can chop to the chest. Correct. And it seemed like they didn't want to kick until about. Almost the match is over. A woman in the WCW shirt. Your girl. In the, was it purple or gold? It was purple with okay. the gold WCW lettering. A purple WCW shirt in the front row holds up a sign during Ric Flair's entrance that says, I want to ride Space Mountain. I want this shirt. I don't give a shit about This is your Space dream Mountain. woman here. I want The woman sh- that's hanging on to WCW over a year after it I was want gone. this shirt. This is a badass shirt. Austin takes Flair's wrist and hits a shoulder block. Austin almost throws a right hand to Flair, but Charles Robinson, Rick's personal referee, yeah. stops Austin. Yeah. Wouldn't it's it be, be in Rick's favor hand. to let him go? It's gotta be open hand. But the dirty heel ref... Open the hand. ...stops the heel, or in his eyes... Open the hand. Can't Charles Robinson, there. if I was Flair, I'd be furious with little Nate here after the match because he cost Flair the match. He could have just let Austin get DQ'd That's multiple true. times. That's true. But he stopped him because the rules. Like, he's only... Like, Charles Robinson, little Nate, he's only heel up to a point. Like, when it comes down to the rules, he still wants to be, you know, the right ref. down the middle. Yeah. Flair woos... And Austin flips him off. So it's the two symbols here. Drop toehold into a half crab on Flair from Austin. Austin chops Flair, which are legal somehow, as I mentioned in the Chops are legal. This is bullshit. It's open hand. This is bullshit workaround. It's open hand. Don't care. This is bullshit. Flair responds, but Austin retaliates and sends Flair up on a big back body drop. Austin hits the Thez press, but chokes him instead of punching him. He can't throw a punch, remember? Austin chops Flair some more in a corner, but Flair hits an inverted atomic drop. Austin clotheslines Flair for a two, which was almost a forearm. Austin hits the stunner, but the ref is distracted by Chris Benoit, who's on the ramp. Eddie then runs in from behind, low blows Austin, frog splashes Austin... Robinson is still distracted with Benoit. Uh, Raw takes a commercial break. We come back with Flair in control. Austin chops Flair on the outside. Back body drops Flair on the ring mats. Austin suplexes Flair back into the ring. Austin throws a bunch of chops at Flair. Now this is a chop battle. Austin goes for a punch, but Robinson stops him again. Yeah. And Flair punches Austin as 
Charles was distracted. He stopped him. him. He's like, listen, you know, you got to open the hand. So he's holding it. Rest back's turn. He chop blocks Austin's knee and then kicks his knee. Another chop exchange, but Flair takes Austin down this time with kicks to the knee. A figure four to Austin. Flair uses the ropes as leverage, as that's what he does. Austin rolls it over, reverses the pressure, but Flair breaks the hold. Austin slams Flair off the turnbuckle. He stomps a mud hole on Flair in the corner. Flair does a Flair flop, thumbs Austin in the eye. Inside Cradle gets a two count on Austin. Austin tries a backslide, gets a two count. Then another chop battle, another thumb to the eye. Austin hits a stunner one, two, three, and relatively cleanly, Stone Cold Steve Austin beats Ric Flair, gets his full-time job back. That's right. He's as, off the bench. As Flair, and gets a personal servant and Ric Flair. As Flair gets up, he hits another stunner for good measure, and now it's time to drink some beer here in Dallas, Texas. Stone Cold Steve Austin has a beer blast as we go off the air on this edition of Raw. So, Sorry. for this crowd... It was a wonderful show. We did not know what would happen next week. The consequence is that this would be one of uh, Steve Austin's final matches. He would wrestle a few more matches. He would wrestle a couple against Eric Bischoff uh, and then wrestle The Rock. And that was it. Why we really watch this show is because of two things. uh, The return of Michaels and the departure of Austin, which would happen next week when they go to Atlanta, Georgia. The idea is floated to Austin. Hey, uh, we want you to lose to Brock on an episode of Raw. I think, I guess the idea was that as Flair is his servant, Flair is still the co-owner and still can book matches. So I guess, well, Austin, I'm going to screw you because I'm going to book you in this match against Brock Lesnar. And then he was going to lose to Brock. With no hype, with no build, on TV for free when this should be a major milestone in getting Brock Lesnar over as the top guy, the next big thing. If you really wanted to do that, you would probably do that at a pay-per-view. But they had known Austin had been dissatisfied. He had already walked out on them once earlier this year, right after WrestleMania X7. And also, he had called in to bite this. X8, in, you mean? Or, yeah, he had walked out right after WrestleMania X8. After the Hall match, he had walked out and came back. But then he called in to bite this uh, a few weeks before this show, and Kevin Kelly asked Stone Cold on the phone, "What do you, what, Austin? What do you got to say to all this BS on the internet that you're upset with how WWE is booking you? What do you want to say?" And so it was supposed to be an answer, like it was supposed to be Austin saying, "Oh, they're full. Of, what do they know? A bunch of dumb internet fans." But instead, Austin's like, well, the booking in this company's terrible. I hate the direction the company's going in and got real. And then said, like, the booking is shit. I hate it here. And then did the rest of the interview normally. But then the company, WWE, like, apologized to the fans for the way Austin answered the question. But they knew from that interview he's dissatisfied. And it's, it's out there now. It's public record. I mean, it was internet speculation before that, but now it's public record. Right. So now, so he didn't want a job to Brock, and he just went home. And so on next week's Raw, the one... We didn't review that, but I looked ahead because I tried to remember how this all shook out. And so Flair comes out in Atlanta and says... I'm here, I lost to Austin as a man, and I was ready to accept the consequences, I was ready to be a servant tonight, or whatever, but Austin is not here, and he did it to you, and so they bury Austin, they want to get it over that Austin hates us, you know, it's not something he did to the company, it's something he did to us personally as fans, and so to bury him as a character... And so Vince comes out and challenges Flair for 100% ownership of the company later on in the night. And he beats Flair. Gets, so that angle's done. So they kill that off yeah. the, the next week. Then the week after that, Vince is shown backstage. And he's been told that 
someone's here for you. And Vince thinks it's Austin. And Vince, it's projected to the crowd that Austin is going to be here the next week. That it's just like last time. That he's come back after a week and everything's going to be hunky-dory. Vince comes out at the end of the show and has a beer in his hand and says, This is for somebody special. And this is for Stone Cold. And who do we get? We get The Rock. Because when Austin said, Fuck that, I'm not coming back. And this was also... Austin took his ball and went home. Yes, Rock cut the infamous promo. Austin took his ball and went home, which was something that JR had said, which was something that uh, Vince McMahon had said. Which is the truth. Well, it's true, but he was justified in doing so, I think. I don't. History says that he was justified. I don't. In retrospect. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. So, uh, The Rock ended up coming back uh, prematurely. And would end up doing the SummerSlam match with Brock, and that's Brock's big win is over The Rock. And uh, that they even promo it on the show. That episode of Confidential was another basically hit job on Stone Cold Steve Austin, who outside of the company was in turmoil because this was when him and Deborah had the domestic dispute, and where Austin, uh, the cop showed up at Austin's house. He had taken off on foot and was walking down the highway. It was very crazy. I remember Extra had footage, I think, from the local TV station. They sent a helicopter to find Stone Cold Steve Austin after this news had come out and they found him walking down the street and he flips the bird to the helicopter his life was in dismay with deborah deborah marshall who was his wife had this occurred today there's no, he's not coming back he's not getting right. mentioned on tv ever again this is the end of it so it was a different time then i'm gonna give the benefit of the doubt and who knows what happened there because he, the case ended up going he pleaded no contest so he didn't plead guilty uh he wasn't tried he just took a plea bargain basically and so that's how that ended and they got divorced in august so austin that happened a week after when he walked out as that confidential piece is basically airing is when this happened so who knows if that's what set it off or whatever but it was like even if austin wanted to come back he couldn't because of what was going on in his personal life yeah it all fell at the same time but that's what ended up that's the fallout of this my backstory is austin calls in to bite this lets it be known that he's not happy he's already walked out once so vince knows shit's getting ready to happen vince knows he needs a top guy top name on raw i think you're right about that I think you're right. I need, to, I, I need a top name on Raw. Whether in-ring or not, i got to have somebody that's going to make people tune in Monday nights to watch Raw, whether it be whatever. So the phone call comes in, which is why split second, no interview, no nothing, you have, after four years, the return of Shawn Michaels. I think that's one reason they and they booked the Lesnar matches, because Vince probably thought, I'm on borrowed time with this guy. i, I got to get this stuff done. I've got to get what I've got to get out of him out of him. So I think you're right about that. I think that it's no coincidence that Shawn Michaels shows up the same night that this Austin's is... Austin's last, last night, per Which se. I had forgotten this occurred on the same night. Yeah. And in Texas. So you were assured of a positive reaction from Michaels. You weren't going to get like a... I mean, exactly. imagine if they tried that in Canada, you know. Yeah. Like, so you were assured of a great reaction. Yeah. And uh, part of the reason I think Austin, I think, walked out the next week is because when he saw that Sean was re-signed, I think he knew that... I think he realized at that moment, I'm going to be losing for the foreseeable future. That's all they're going to use me for. I don't want to do that. He saw that he wasn't, as as of the look out of the chessboard, he saw that he wasn't the the king or queen on the chessboard anymore. He had an addition. He had, a, he had another big star working that show as well that they necessarily didn't need him. 
they can roll off of Sean and they can do what they got. Well, do I think that it came down to the SummerSlam match. It ended up being what we're going to do: SummerSlam 2002 next week. But that's what the match would have been: is Michaels and Austin. Michaels yeah. could get on the mic. Triple H was on the SmackDown brand. I mean, technically, they weren't even interacting. You know, they shouldn't even cross paths. Yeah. And that's something you can get to down the road because these two are best friends. They can work anytime. And you think that Austin, we've got a short time with him. So I think that's the SummerSlam match would have been Austin and Michaels. And Michaels would have beat him. You know, Michaels would have went into that saying, you know, I yeah, I did suffer my injury before our, our, our match at 14. But I'm feeling better now. Well, I'm feeling better now. But, you know, it was after our match that I realized I injured myself more. That was what did it for me because, I mean, I came back to the ring to fight you or whatever. Are you man enough to fight me? And I thought that would have probably been the angle they went with for SummerSlam. You need to push Brock. You need to push Michaels because he came back. He's not going to lose right off the bat even though he did. Uh, But it was to Hunter. It wasn't to... He didn't lose. He won that match? Yeah. Uh, Well, it was unsanctioned, so it doesn't count, right? Right. Um, You don't want him losing coming back and you got to push Brock and Eddie's just back. So you want to push Eddie even though he lost to RVD, but, you know, a fan ran in, so who knows. But uh, (laughs) I think Austin sees, yeah, he's going to lose pretty much for the foreseeable future, so why stick around if all I'm going to do is lose? I've accomplished, he accomplished everything he could possibly do. He technically, I mean, I know WCW basically shot themselves in the foot a lot of times, but and I don't want to give Austin too much credit, but he's largely responsible. He put the other company out of business. He's a big factor in why the other company isn't there. What what greater accomplishment can you have as a wrestler than to say, I put our number two competition, me. I did it. I put this company on my back, my angles, my work, my mic work, my in-ring work, people loving my merch sales. I... The other company is gone now. He did it. Let's see. It was Austin and McMahon that did it. It's you have to have Hogan a great, didn't create WrestleMania. Yeah, but you have to have Hogan a, and Piper created WrestleMania. You have to have a great protagonist right. to have a great villain. And unless Bret Hart had stayed around after the screw job and fought Mr. McMahon, you don't have another protagonist. No, you're right. You're right. That can go against okay. Mr. McMahon. But here's my here's now we've talked about this Raw. Let's talk about next week. Let's talk about my opinion. Austin did take his ball and went home. Well, that's what he did. I mean, there's no... I mean, that's the definition. You don't like what you... you he was a whiny-ass little bitch. Oh, no. no. Okay. No. I'm serious. I'm serious. He didn't like what was happening, but instead of confronting it and saying, hey, we need to talk about this. I'm not doing this. Why don't we do it this way? Why don't we do it this way? I got no problem doing the deal for him, but let's do it on a pay-per-view or something like that. Let's not give it away. Instead of coming up with a better solution and trying to work it out, he pulled a Bret Hart, well, I'm your guy, I'm this, I'm that, and fuck you if you don't need me, and he took his ball and he went the fuck home. It's the same damn thing that happened with Montreal. Bret didn't want to do business, and so Bret got what he Brett got forced into doing business, whether he wanted to or not, and he took his ball like a whiny little bitch and went home. I think that's slightly different. Um, um, not necessarily. When you look that at That was it, a personal grudge though between was. those two people. Correct. Um, this was I think Austin had every right to do what he did because he didn't have I mean Vince didn't give any wrestlers creative control, so he just said, you're going to lose, and Austin said, no, I don't think so, and that's the only way out. 
I mean, that's the only way. He wasn't a champion. See, I do think if he was a champion, you have an obligation to give the belt back to the company. I mean, he could vacate it, too. Never mind. So I don't blame him for doing what he did because he's also got to protect his brand going forward. And in retrospect, because Lesnar left in 2004, if Lesnar is the only reason, and that's what he says, that he left... And he didn't want a job to Lesnar on TV, and it had nothing to do with Sean, and it had nothing to do with Vince, and nothing to do with Eddie, or all the other people that he probably would have lost to, or whatever. If it was all about Lesnar, then I think he did the right thing by going back, because he said, I mean, he says that he wasn't ready for that role, he wasn't ready to be the guy, and to give it away on free TV would have been stupid, and it turned out Lesnar burnt you two years later. So you effectively would have burnt Austin, you would have burnt that loss, you would have devalued Austin and pushed Lesnar, and then Lesnar burns you and leaves in two years, and you've made Austin just a regular guy at the end of all these losses that were probably going to come his way. What happens behind closed doors, behind the curtain, behind backstage, needs to stay backstage. Him taking his ball and going home screwed the fans. You don't like the way something's going down... Then you do like Dustin did, go out on Nitro and say, I'm not doing this Black Rain bullshit. Well, that was a worked worked shoot. But right or wrong? That wasn't Black Rain, that was Seven. Or Seven, sorry. But right or wrong, though? You get my point. But I don't think... He screwed the fans that were thinking, buying into the fact that he was going to be there that night. Yeah, he screwed the company, too. You can't tell me that his name wasn't put on the marquee for Phillips Arena next week. Austin will be in ring. Well, that and the, probably the week after and the week at probably a few weeks because they so, book them in advance, yeah. Card subject to change, man. That, but that's what I'm saying. You screwed your fans. Hey, listen, I'm not denying it. I'll, I'll sit right here and tell you. Before, as a young Patrick Young, I went to a show down there at McKenzie Arena. Well, yeah. Flair no-showed my ass. Well, yeah, they, I, we went together, and Triple H was supposed to be there, and they fucking Triple flipped H no-showed the, us. It does happen, we and I... We went to a show where Luger no-showed us. <laughs> yeah, that was on an independent show, yeah. It happened. We got Glacier instead of Lex Luger, but... It happens. Um, but later on in my career, after of getting into the business more in depth and, and realizing, when you do shit like that, whatever the problems are behind the scenes, you gotta always think that you're you're... Your consequences of what you did back there affect not only backstage, but the fans. I think he screwed the fans. I think he screwed uh, out of millions of people watching Raw at the time, which had a much bigger audience than it does today. He didn't screw any of the TV fans, because if you pay for cable, you get Raw. It's not like I'm not buying Raw every week. Right. He screwed out a few thousand ticket holders. But you know what? At the end of the day, when... Flair came out on that Phillips Arena Raw and said, Austin's not going to be here. You know, we didn't come back from the scene the next week. You didn't come back from the commercial break and see half the arena left. A lot of those people, the product was still hot enough where they stayed. I get that. And then the week after, they probably said to those ticket holders, we got a big surprise for you, it's The Rock. But didn't, you know, make it so obvious, but said, stick around, it'll be worth your wait or whatever. So really, all that Austin ended up costing them was to pay The Rock to come back from Hollywood early to do whatever. And so he did, He fans had bought the ticket if I was there to see Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he was such an infrequent performer by this time. Even if he was on the card, am I sure he's gonna wrestle? By 2002, I've watched Monday Night Shows enough to know that I'm not always going to get what's advertised. Those people in the Georgia Dome in 1999 
the finger poke of Doom Knight, thought they were getting Goldberg and Kevin Nash. They bought a ticket under that premise. Yeah. And the company... The company, not even the wrestler, fucked them out of that. And that was on WCW. This is on the wrestler, and if they go home that night and they go to the internet, which you know a lot of them probably did, they said, "What's up with Stone Cold?" And they read the story. They probably would understand, you know, what's going on. And if you're a huge Stone Cold fan, you're going to be right there with Austin. Say, "Fuck that guy!" You know, yeah, he's going to lose to. It's just like what happened with with Brett in that regard. In that you're talking about one of the most popular wrestlers in the world. Well, I'm not. And, I'm a huge Bret Hart fan. Yeah, and, and I, I had a conversation with with a guy the other day about that. Did did well, what is your feelings on that? My feelings are Bret Hart didn't want to do business. Bret was said, "Listen, this is who we have to have the title on. You're leaving. You're not leaving as my champion. You gotta lose to him because Bret Bret had personal feelings involved and was pissed off." And it's like, I'll drop it to anybody but him. Well, listen, he's my top guy. I gotta have it on him. Brett, screw Brett. I think that, I mean, and going back, because we have already done Survivor Series 97, but I said on there, I said, you know, I agree with Brett up because in his contract, he had a degree of creative control in his contract. Right. So in some ways, he's actually more right than Austin is because Austin probably did not have that clause. Right. And so in that way, yes, Austin is more in the wrong than Brett, actually, because if you have that in my contract, some vague language that gives me control of any sort, and then you take it away from me, then yeah, I've got to sort of side with Bret Hart in a way. But I haven't seen the language in the contract, and... When you allow yourself to get language... That was the one and only time that Vance did that, and he saw how it was going, and he said, oh, hell no. The thing, yeah. That's I mean, why you never, nobody else has that ever... You, WWE... Well, and it's also on yeah. Brett for signing a contract with vague language, like reasonable creative control. If those were the words... Yeah. Well, what's reasonable to you is not reasonable to me. Correct. I mean, that's... A matter of opinion. Correct. So that's really on Brett for signing something. Correct. I hate to veer off into another direction, but like, um, so when Conan took over the Tonight Show from Jay Leno, he had a clause in his contract that said, we can start the Tonight Show at 12.05. What that was there for, the reason they gave him and his lawyers, they said, oh, well, that's if we have sports that run over. And so when the when Jay Leno went to do a 10 o'clock live show, uh, it failed. And they wanted to keep Jay Leno because NBC loved Jay Leno. They did not want to lose Jay Leno. So they said to Conan, we'll have the Tonight Show start at 12.05. And we'll have Jay Leno do 30 minutes before you because we can. It's in your contract. And Conan said, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's not what that's for. But he allowed himself by having that contract state that we can start it that late. Then be able to do that. Now, it ended up they had a settlement. Like, it wasn't... Yeah. Like, one didn't get... I mean, they got their way in that Conan left and Jay Leno came back. But it's the same thing. Like, if you have a contract with vague language like that, it's sort of on you. But Austin, yes. Is he in the wrong as far as being an employee and being told to do something and saying no? Well, yes, he's in the wrong. But as far as career-wise and... If I was in his shoes, I would probably do the same thing. And that's because it's almost like I had a dispute with one of my employers a long, long time ago over my pay where I found out that people were being paid more than me that came in newer than me, basically. And I said I was basically going to leave. And I had... Because I have nothing to lose, I don't care. It's it's more of a statement, you know, about... And that's... Am I in the wrong for doing that? Um, probably, yeah. I, you know, to my fans in quotation marks that want to hear me on this uh, place, they, yeah, they would probably feel like, oh, well, he gave up on us. But at the same time, I've got to make a, I've got to do what's right for me. And that's, that's it right there. That's the nail in the coffin. 
Look at it like this. Your fans don't know what's going on. Right, yeah. You leave, you're screwing them. Right. Now, have you publicly come out and let them know that, then that's different. But he sort of did on the Bite This. If they... Bite This was an internet show. It wasn't... It wasn't like Correct. he grabbed a WWE mic on Raw and said... He wasn't doing a punk pipe bomb. Well, it even was, that was a work shoot in a lot of ways, but like... They're not going to give you the mic to go do that or whatever. And, you know, he could face, he could face you know, repercussions from, like, if he showed up on, like, Larry King at the time or whatever and said, Larry, here's what's really going on or whatever. So you're kind of handcuffed because you don't want to get in any legal trouble outside of you're breaking your contract. So you're going to get in some trouble for that. But if you had gone on another avenue, if he had shown up in the impact zone the next week and said, this is what's really going on, yeah. he's in a lot of fucking trouble. So he did the only thing that he knew to do, and that was just to go home. And I think fans of his would have probably been in his corner and said, you know, we can see why you did that. And in retrospect, like I said, what happened with Lesnar and Lesnar leaving in two years, turned out he was pretty right. On Bite This, he also put over Randy Orton as, like, way more important and more talented than, than Lesnar. And it turns out in the, in the history of the company, Austin was 100% right. So maybe if you had even pitched him losing to Orton, he would have done it. Because he already went on by this and said, I'll lose to Orton. But that's what I'm or saying. Or said that Orton's more important. Instead of taking his ball and going home, why didn't he pitch that? Why didn't he stand there, stay in the game, and talk it out? Instead of saying, you know what, fuck this, I'm done. Grabbing his shit and walked out. And I mean, this just has to go back to just spec- pure speculation. And as far as mm-hmm. like, I just think that he saw a bunch of L's coming his way. As far as, he I'm going to have to put over all these guys. But he had to know that. Yeah. You get in this business knowing that... You're going to lose something, yeah. Well, not necessarily that, but that you have to then start doing the deal. You get to where you got because the people ahead of you laid down and gave you that, that stepping stone. You climb that mountain, and once you're at the top of that mountain, you can't stay there. you got to go back down. And Hogan doesn't... that We're back to the Hogan thing. Hogan doesn't realize that. People like Terry Funk, Dory Funk... Flair. Flair. That'll do the deal. That'll lay down. Sting lost a lot. Sting. That's the thing is, on that on that climb, okay, per se, on that climb... This for, is a journey, right? For Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Goldberg, Hugh Morris, okay, but we're going a little bit more... We get to the point where it's more like DDP. DDP. It's more like Hogan. It's more like Hall. You know, some of these bigger layers. Le- Scott Steiner. These yeah, bigger guys level like guys that, you know, here's your new up and comer. I'm kind of slowly working my way down, which not all of them were, but you get where I'm going with this. You got to kind of, you got to, you know, you got to lay down for them to help boost them so that the business that you know and love that you were a part of. Still keeps going. Goldberg, on his way back down... Yeah, lost a few times. And and that's the thing is, Austin... I don't think Austin wanted to... If you're working my show, and I say, you're going to lose to this person, we can talk about it. But at the end of the day, it's my fucking show. Well, yeah. And you're going to lose to the person. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's like, applicable cut, up and cut, down cut, the card. Cut yeah. and dry. That's how it is. And yeah. he didn't want it. And that's what that's where I'm getting the comparison with, with him and Brett is, he didn't want to do business. He didn't want to lose to Brock. Now, would it have been extremely stupid for him to lose to Brock? I agree. I agree with everything that the man has argued. But he didn't stay in the game long enough to argue. He just said, fuck it, grabbed his bags, and went home. 
Well, and that's we, where I disagree with it. Well, and we also don't know where his uh, mental state was and where his health was. I mean, his neck had been a problem for a long time. He probably he probably might have only known. I've only man, I'm really hurting. I don't know if I even want to be here or whatever. But yeah, okay. didn't first, express first all, that to on, anybody. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Now I, I got I here's a crawl up my ass that an old timer. I'm not going to mention names. Pointed this out to me. For someone who has a really bad neck who can't be in the ring wrestling, can damn sure go and jolt his spine by hitting stunners for six fucking nights straight. He didn't want to. He wanted to do what he wanted to do his way. So I, I find well, yeah. I find that hard. But there's to been believe. a lot of other people with bad necks that I mean Taz would be I guess one and uh... you you're hitting a stunner jolting your spine by falling on your ass. It's hard to believe that jolting your spine is not affecting your neck. So, to sit there and tell me, oh, well, he's not in ring, he's not ring cleared to be able to do this, but I can have him go out there and do, if he can go out there and do that, some bitch is ring cleared enough to be able to go and do a match. Yeah, right, we trotted out Benoit this week, who has a bad neck, and we think he's good to go, but yeah, I I don't know, but... You get where I'm coming from. Yeah, I just, I don't know where, I mean, this will always be just a mystery, exactly. Oh, yeah. I think just the biggest thing, the biggest unveiling that I think we've established is... Going into this night, they knew they were about to have problems with Austin. No matter what they want you to believe, that's why Sean got that phone call back. Michaels thought he was ready to go a year earlier, so they might have known in their in the back of their minds, like Vince might have known. Well, you know, Michaels can probably go. Yeah. You know, because it was still. I mean, like I said, he didn't cut a promo on this episode of Raw, so you don't know in what capacity is he back. Like when they say "Welcome to the NW," it's not like he came out and said. I can't wait to see you at SummerSlam, Hunter, or, you know, like, you know, made some declaration like, I am a wrestler. Because, you know, you can introduce, like, Rick Rude walks out on Nitro. Is Rick Rude going to wrestle? No, he's just going to walk out with Kurt Hennig for the rest of his career. Yeah. So, this could have been that, because they didn't explain anything, so... um, But you're still getting him back. And that that enough is... Well, I mean... But that wasn't enough because they called The Rock back. <laughs> they said maybe they weren't even sure that Michaels was going to for sure come back in the ring at that point. And they said, hey, Rock, we know you're good to go. So uh, <laughs> we got to make sure these people don't walk out of the arena next week. So why don't you come back? And you can lose to Brock. And by the way, this is a. Uh, also, Austin had problems with Hunter during this time. This was around the same time that Hunter was either getting married or had just married Stephanie or just before. So Austin was probably not happy with that. Austin was never really that big on Hunter and losing to Hunter in general. So I'm sure that didn't help out. And he also had a dispute with The Rock during this time for some reason. So he probably didn't want to do any business with The Rock either. So it wasn't just Lesnar. It was a number of... He just didn't want to lose anymore for a while. Outside of his control. So... That's not going to work. That wasn't going to work for Vince McMahon and uh, the WWE. By the way, I mean, it's not like, like I mentioned earlier, he was pretty much largely inactive since he came back from, in 2001 when he took over the commissioner thing and was the singing cowboy and all that stuff, he was largely inactive. So it wasn't like you were getting him that often anyway. So it wasn't like this week-to-week performer, someone like Kurt Angle who 
said uh, to the guys, hey, I need to quit, and then quit, and then showed up in TNA a week or two later where you lost this week-in, week-out guy that was always in the ring doing matches. This was a guy that had pretty much slowed down anyway, and so it was like a miracle, basically, to see him. Like, to get a ticket to see him wrestle, in general, was pretty rare, so. But next week, we'll do uh, SummerSlam 2002, as I want to see where this Shawn Michaels thing goes. I have a good idea that... Uh, I think he's coming back full-time. That's my pick for next week. SummerSlam 2002 and the unsanctioned match, which amazing that it's unsanctioned, but it's put on pay-per-view. It's amazing how that happens. We don't approve of this match, but we will put it on our pay-per-view, televise it, and declare a winner. So, Hunter, spoiler alert, rejects the NWO and... Sean has to take him out. The NWO is broken up, and then Hunter rejects Sean from DX, so we have to take you out. We can find out more about that, and Sean wrestles not in brown, dirty tights. He wrestles in blue jeans instead. That's the main thing, and it's an excuse for these two guys to get extremely bloody and extremely violent and extremely gross in their first match of 200 they would have over the next 50 years. Just so the fans know, I pitched this entire idea to you on the phone the other night. Of why I picked this, yeah, because I just I feel like this whole month build to this with their troubles with Austin and everything it fucked everything up. But then they all had at the end of the day at SummerSlam the card was nice and clean. They nice had, and clean. They had exactly and what they wanted. So the creative side of behind the scenes with what Vince had to scramble to do to put on. SummerSlam is outstanding, by the way. We'll, we'll get more into detail. Didn't about slow it. him down at all. We'll get more into detail about it next uh, next week after he after wasn't going to be deterred. It was. I just find it to be it, it. It's very. It's a very. It's a very nod to the hat towards Vince in the fact that you know he what? had Plan B. He had Plan ready B. to go. He had Plan B, C, D, and E. If some others were going to fuck up. So it's it's very interesting and very yeah and I mean this is regarded as one of the best Summer Slams of all time, all time. and and this is uh, definitely the one of the best matches of Summer Slams history and uh, Austin probably would have been in this spot if Hunter wasn't there like I said so yeah. this could have all been very different that'll do it for this week next week you can find us right here episode number eighty coming at you at retrowrestlingpodcast.com at retro w podcast and uh, where can they find you Patrick. Patrick Young or Patrick Young Wrestling on Facebook. Well, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. Going into WrestleMania 18, I really thought I was starting to uh, lose a little bit of my momentum. And I didn't really like the creative direction we were going. NWO had come in. And all of a sudden, heading into Mania, and it's Rock versus Hogan. Well, that's the big match, that's the main event. Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to work with Scott Hall. And so, I mean, all due respect and props to him, but, you know, Hogan was the guy that I needed to work with, not Scott Hall. So, uh, I think about that time, a little bit of frustration was starting to set in and the wheels were starting to fall off. I was running hard. I was beat to shreds and I was drinking a lot. And, uh, just a lot of elements going on there, and uh, the train was about to go off the track. Steve was dealing with a lot of stuff, you know. He's working a succession of one-night stands, night after night, week after week. He's still walking around with a bad neck that could end his career at any time. He knew he was burning the candle at both ends. 
We're going to do a Monday Night Raw in Atlanta, Georgia. But that Sunday, we're in Columbus, Georgia. So I'd flown in from San Antonio. While I was laying there, Jim Ross calls me up and gives me credit for Monday Night Raw and says, Vince would like to see Brock Lesnar go over on me in a King of the Ring qualifier match. And I said, really? You guys want to beat me in a qualifier match? Unannounced? You're not going to do a one or two or three week build for this match and get a number out of it? Man, I don't have a big head, but guys like me are pretty damn hard to find. That didn't make any business sense to me. I'm always about being business. I'll do business with anybody. Getting beat doesn't mean a damn thing to me. When it's right, if it's right. I told Jim, I said, well, if that's going to be the creative, I said, I won't be at Monday Night Raw. So he calls Vince, lets him know what I said, and I'm driving to Columbus, and my phone goes off, and it's Vince calling, well, I ain't going to take a call. And he leaves me a message, Steve, it's Vince. Whenever you get a chance, no matter what time it is, just give me a call, I'd like to talk to you about Monday Night Raw. I get in my hotel room, and I call him at 2 a.m. in the morning. And he answers, first or second ring, Steve, what's going on? I said, oh, nothing. JR told me I needed to call you. So yeah, I wanted to talk to you about creative tomorrow, Monday Night Raw. And Vince ran over what he wanted to do again, exactly as Jim Ross said, and I said, really, that's what we're gonna do? And he goes, yep. And when I said, really, that's what we're gonna do, I mean like, really, that's what we're gonna do? Because if we are, I ain't coming. That's what I meant. Well, hung up the phone, and right then I made up my mind, I'm taking my shit home. Well, I believe, you know, again, we had a difference of view in terms of quote, creative, as Steve would say. It was more than that. Um, it was, again, the pressure that Steve put on himself. It was eating him up. At least that's my point of view. Is Stone Cold Steve Austin really gone? Sadly, sadly, the answer to that question is yes. I mean, when you first heard it, you don't really know what to make of it. But thinking about it, I think Steve was 100% in the right. And I believe the plan was for Brock to beat Steve that night, which I don't think Steve would ever have a problem with. But that's about six months of buildup and six months of revenue thrown out the window in one night. And I think that's what Steve disagreed with. I think Steve's a businessman. I think when the time is right, he'd put you know his mom over if it was right. Austin owes an apology for walking out to every superstar in that locker room. Austin owes an apology to the company he helped build. Austin owes an apology to each and every one of you for walking out on you. There were wrong things done on both sides, but if you have a problem with the company, fine, there's other ways to work it out. But to say, I'm gonna walk away, it wasn't a one-man band. It was never a one-man show. You don't do it by yourself. And to say, Right in the middle of that, I'm out of here, you know. It's not the right thing, my opinion. If I could go back and do it again, I'd change everything about it. But what I did then, in my mind, was the only way I could get out and get out with my sanity. It's a rough business, and sometimes it's a rough life, and sometimes you make decisions you regret. That was one of them, and I own up to it. With time away to recharge and recuperate, Steve Austin was ready to complete the healing process with the help of an old friend. I remember being at the house in San Antonio, 
went out and got my mail, and I saw this little card in there, and it was from Jim Ross. And just a small card, and it said, if you ever need someone to talk to, I'm here. Put that card down, and I called Jim Ross up, and we talked for two or three hours. It was just so great. It meant everything to me. It meant a lot. And I remember him saying, he goes, hey man, you think if I put you and the old man together in a room, you can get your differences aside and come back to work? And I said, yeah, I said, I'd love that. So there was a meeting set up. There wasn't gonna be anybody but me and Vince. I didn't know what was gonna happen. Are we gonna fight, hug? We're gonna throw each other through the window and fall 30 stories to our death? I didn't know. And uh, anyway, Vince walks in the room and we shake hands and it's about as uncomfortable as you can get. Finally, it gets down to what happened. And we talked and we talked and I told Vince I was sorry that day in that high rise because I'd handled myself the way that I did and that I would never do anything to uh, screw him over and uh, cause, cause harm to him. And that's what I did. And so anyway, he accepted my apology we got back on track and I came back to work.